Crossroads. Who's ready to dive in? Are we ready to do this today? I want to start this off just a little bit differently today than we normally do, so just brace yourself. This is going to be different. Um, I feel like we need to start this way today together, and so I wanted to wait for this moment where we're all together, not just everybody in this room, but everybody outside that's joining out in the sunshine, getting their tan on while we worship together, uh, everybody who's joining us in St. Pete, and Mishawaka, Nashville, online. This is, this is for everybody, all right? I wanted this to be a, a total family moment today. Um, it's heavy on my heart that we just have a time of prayer together, and I don't know what the last week or two have been like for you, uh, but for me personally, it's been a little heavy. Uh, we've been dealing with loss. Um, we've been dealing with a lot of, of heaviness in our lives, and I just want you to know today that if you are dealing with a burden that you've been carrying, if you feel just like you're about to get overwhelmed, I just I want to remind you today that, that God is with you. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides, and, and He is enough. Can we just get excited about that today? He is enough. All right? And I want to get weird. Can we just get weird for a moment together? Um, <laughs> if you're here this morning, here's how I want to start our time together. If you're here this morning and you would just be willing to, you're saying, yeah, I'm feeling like I'm a little overwhelmed. Life's been heavy and I'm not sure where to turn. I'm struggling. If you'd just be willing to raise your hand, can you just take that step today? Can you just raise your hand? Yeah, I'm feeling that. Okay, so here's what we're going to do, no matter where you're watching, if you're, if you're online and you're in your pajamas and there's one person in the room with you and they raised your hand, here's what you're going to do. Um, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Uh, if you raised your hand, uh, we just hold that hand high. And what I want you to do, no matter where you're watching, is can we all stand together? Keep your hand up high. If there's someone next to you who has their hand raised and you're willing, would you just go put a hand on their shoulder? And can we just have a time of prayer together where we can lift each other up and realize today that God is enough, that he is here, that he is faithful. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He doesn't walk to the valley with us. He walks through the valley with us. And I just want to invite him into this space today and to be the healer, to be the provider that he is. Can we pray together? Just join together wherever you're at today. Let's pray. God, we recognize in this moment that you are good. We recognize in this moment that you are faithful. We recognize, and when we say your name, God, you are Jehovah Jireh, you are the God who provides. And God, we believe in this moment that you are with us, that you are faithful, that you will not leave us, that you will not forsake us. God, we, we put our trust in this truth today. You are enough. And so God, I just pray that you would be with every single person who is just struggling today, who's feeling overwhelmed, not sure where to turn. God, would you be the God of peace this morning to each and every person who is feeling that way today? God, would your presence fill that space? Would you help every single person who's struggling today to know that you are here, you are enough, you are faithful, and God, because of that, we give you praise today. We pray believing that you are faithful, that you are going to show up, that you are going to draw us close to you today, and God, we thank you, and we give you praise because you're worthy, and together we say amen, amen. Hey, guys, thank you for being weird with me this morning. I appreciate that. Can we give God the praise as we start together because he's good. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. Uh, you may be seated wherever you're at. Thank you for joining me in that moment. I wanted to dive in today just asking the presence of God to be here with us today. 
to claim his faithfulness and his presence in our lives because I believe with, with all my heart that he is enough. And what I love about that statement and that principle is that it ties directly to what we're talking about in this series, The Outsiders. We're realizing that God can use anybody. And all throughout history, he has kind of taken a special notice of those who were the outsiders, and he's used those outsiders, those people who are willing to step out in faith to change their generation. And I want you to know today that God can use anybody. Do you believe that? Would you just say that with me? God can use anybody. Say it like you mean it. God can use anybody. He can use anybody. Nothing is impossible with God. I just saw this statement this week. It made me laugh. They say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. I don't think that's what that means. Nothing is impossible. Some of you are like, what? Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. Um, thank you. Delayed, delayed reaction there. Uh, God can use anybody. And this story that we're looking at today, it just highlights this fact more than any other story I think that we're going to detail in this series this summer. God can use anybody. And what he asks of us is that if, if we want to be used by him, what he asks of us is that we would just be willing to relentlessly pursue him. And I just want you to think about what that looks like in your life, and just to be honest with yourself today, in your own assessment, do I really pursue Jesus in my life? Am I relentlessly pursuing Jesus, because I would contend with you today that no matter what your past looks like, no matter what your backstory is, if you are willing to step out of your comfort zone to go all in, which is what we've been preaching here at Crossroads for the last year now, if you're willing to relentlessly pursue him, God is going to use you in, a, in an incredible way. It doesn't matter what your history looks like, it doesn't matter what your backstory is, God can use anybody, he can use you. So are you willing to relentlessly pursue him? I wanna just detail a story here that showcases what that looks like when somebody steps out in faith and, and showcase the reality that God can use anyone. Uh, in Joshua chapter two, we're gonna answer this question today, how can I be a part of God's story? I think a lot of times we, we carry our, our past with us, we carry our guilt, we carry our shame, and we don't let go of that. Uh, we can forgive other people, but we have a hard time forgiving ourselves, and so we become strapped in our identity to our history, to our past, and what we used to be. And I want you to know today that you can walk free of that past, you can walk free of that shame, you can walk in freedom. You have been forgiven, you have been set free. And I'm gonna say it again, God can use anybody. And when we look at this passage of scripture today, we're looking at Joshua chapter 2. This is a time in the life of the Israelites where they've been wandering in the, in the wilderness. God has done extraordinary things for his people, his chosen people. He led them out of Egypt through the leadership of Moses, sent 10 plagues on the Egyptians. He parted the Red Sea. They crossed on dry land. The sea closes on the Egyptian army. God himself saves and protects his people. And he led them to the promised land that he told them he was giving them, the land that is described as flowing with milk and honey. I don't know why. It doesn't really sound like, you know, name your dream vacation. Oh, that place that flows with milk and honey. I don't know what that means exactly or why that's appealing. But that's the promised land, right? It flows with milk. It flows with honey. This is the land that God had given his people. It had everything that they wanted. And yet, when God led them to the promised land, the first time around, they sent spies in, and all that the spies could see was that the land was filled with giants. They're going, there's no way we can beat these guys. They completely forgot that God had led them out of Egypt, parted the Red Sea for them. They, they forgot that God was with them. 
And so there's 12 spies that went out to spy the land. 10 of them said, we can't do it. It was Joshua and his friend Caleb, the only two guys that said, God is with us. Why would we not go into the promised land? And because the, the Israelites chose to not go into the promised land to listen to the 10 other spies, for 40 years they were destined to wander the wilderness. That whole generation died off and it was then Joshua who was called to lead these people into the promised land. And so that's the point in time where this picks up in Joshua chapter two. Joshua has become the leader of Israel. Moses died. It says there was no greater leader than Moses and then Joshua took over. It's, it's that moment, right? Joshua's like, here I am guys. The greatest leader just died. It's my turn. Everybody's like, oh, here goes Joshua. And you know, it's his moment to sign. God's saying to Joshua, hey, be strong, be courageous. Lead these people where I'm going to show you. I am with you everywhere you go. And so Joshua, he steps into that role. He begins leading with courage, and he's leading the Israelites into the promised land. So what happens? It says, then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Now, there's all kinds of questions here, right? Like, wait a second, these two spies went and stayed at the house of a what? What are we talking about here? What's happening here? I'm not gonna go there right now. We're just gonna keep moving on. But I want you to think about this for a second. Rahab, this is our first introduction to Rahab. How did they identify Rahab? Did they call her by her last name? No. Rahab, they went to the house of Rahab Smith? Rahab Yoder? No, they did not. No, they went to the house of Rahab, the prostitute. All right, that is her identity. All right, that is the label that she has been given. Everybody knows her, not Rahab Smith, not Rahab Yoder. Rahab, the prostitute. That's her identity, that's who she is. That's her introduction into the Bible, Rahab the prostitute. And I think we have to stop right here and recognize we're talking about Rahab today. Rahab, an ultimate outsider. You talk about a past that you're carrying around that's just guilt and shame and you're going, how can God ever use me? I'm, I'm a prostitute. Rahab is an important piece of God's story. How did that happen? I think we need to look at this and recognize what that looks like because that applies to every one of us. Anybody can be used by God. And I'm celebrating that today. I, I'm thrilled that God can use anybody. I hope that you are too because we all have something. We all have something in our past that we're, we're ashamed of. We hate that that's with us and we feel like that's been our identity. But I want you to know today that it doesn't matter what your past looks like. God can use anybody. Rahab Smith, no, Rahab Yoder, no. Rahab the prostitute, she was disgraced. That was her reputation. That was her identity, that's who she was. You don't really associate with Rahab the prostitute. She is an outsider. That's who she was. And yet, here's what happens. It says in Joshua 2, two through seven, but someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men. But she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. 
If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax that she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. This is important here for a second. Now, let's look at this. Not only was Rahab disgraced, she's an ultimate outsider. Her identity is that of being a prostitute. She's also completely disillusioned. These are her people, the people of Jericho. This is her community. This is her world. Suddenly, she sees two people who are from the Israelite nation, two people who she recognizes are, are associated with the people of God. And suddenly, she's so disillusioned with her own reality, her own life, she's gotten to this place where she just can't deal with it anymore, that instead of being with her people, instead of siding with the people who she grew up with, that's her world, she puts everything on the line now to somehow be associated with these people who have some type of relationship with God himself. That's where she's at. She's completely disillusioned. She's, she's at a place where she needs to change. And at the heart of who we are, you guys, God is calling us to a place of change. That's what I love about the focus that we have here at Crossroads. We're all about connecting people with God. We're going to do everything we can for you to have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And when that happens, we believe that God comes in and he completely changes your life. And that's why we celebrate the change. The ultimate celebration of a changed life, I believe, is baptism. It just says, hey, I have decided to follow Jesus. It's that public testimony, that statement of faith that God asks every one of us to take. And I want to encourage you today, if you've never been baptized, you said yes to Jesus, he's changed your life, but you've never been baptized, I want to challenge you, be baptized. We're having our next baptism service on Sunday, September 11th. Put it on your calendar, it's going to be a big one. We're going to be celebrating all kinds of lives who have been changed by Jesus. And why do we celebrate that? It's because I am not who I used to be. God has changed me. And that just, it reiterates the fact that God can use anybody. I am reminded of the story of the prodigal son that Jesus tells who takes the inheritance that his father gave him, squanders it on wild living, and he finds himself hitting rock bottom. The picture that is painted is he's, he's got a job feeding the pigs and his life has become so desperate that now he just, he sleeps in the pig pen. He eats the food that the pigs are eating. Like it doesn't get worse than this. And it says in, in this story that Jesus tells that he came to his senses. He had this moment of realization where he realized, I don't want to live like this anymore. And not just I don't want to, it's I can't live like this anymore. This is going to kill me. This has led me to a place I never wanted to go. This can't be my story. It says he came to his senses. It's this idea of repentance where you realize I've hit rock bottom. This life that I have chosen, it's taken me a place I never wanted to go. And yet you have this reality where you realize I, I can turn around, I can change my mind, I can accept this story that God has for me, and I can still be a part of that. And that's the beautiful thing, that's the beautiful reality that Jesus brings each and every one of us. We have the chance to be a part of his story. And this is that moment for Rahab. Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the liar. How, how does God use someone like that? How does that match up with your theology of, of what you think about God and how he works? This is really interesting. 
If that's the past of someone that God can use, how can he use me? When I get to that place where I say, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want this to be my story. I want my story to be centered around you. I want to be part of what you are doing. God, let me be part of your story. How do I get there? How do I change that storyline for myself? Well, it goes on to say in Joshua 2. It says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt, and we know what you did to Sihon and Og, two great names by the name. Remember that guy, Og? No, nobody, anyone named their kid Og? Og, the OG? Og, okay. The two, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. I had two Mountain Dews this morning, Okay. The two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. That's who they were. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. This is is a straight up confession of faith. Do you realize that? Rahab, who has no understanding of, of really of who God is, or what he's up to. She's not one of God's chosen people at this point in time. She's not an Israelite. She sees from a distance who God is, what he's doing, and how he is blessing his people. And you guys, she wants to be a part of that. She's been disgraced. She's found herself living a life she didn't want to have any part of any longer. She's disillusioned with with her whole entire culture, the people around her. She wants something different. She's saying, I don't want to live this way any longer. I can't live this way any longer. And Rahab, in this moment, takes a leap of faith. Rahab is desperate. Things have to change. This can't be my story. She's desperate enough that she's willing to do whatever it takes to become part of God's story. And I want to reiterate this to you today. God can use anybody. He can use you. And if you're willing to relentlessly pursue him, if you're willing to step out in faith and say, God, I don't want to live this way any longer. I can't live. This cannot be my story. God, I want to be part of what you're doing. I want to be part of your story. That's where everything changes, okay? It doesn't matter how you got where you are right now. It doesn't matter what that story looks like. Do you have to live with the consequences of the choices that you've made? Sadly, yes. However, that doesn't define who you are. You start today moving forward and becoming that person that God created you to be. There's hope for you. You have a purpose. You have a future. You can be a part of God's story. I I wanna say that over and over again so that you get that today. God can use anybody. So what happens with Rahab here? She was desperate. But here's the moment that defines Rahab. She is no longer Rahab the prostitute moving forward. She is now Rahab, a Hall of Fame, a Hall of Famer on the wall of faith, all right? Rahab in this moment displays life-changing faith. And here's what you see here. Rahab recognized that God was near and she pursued him. She didn't, you know, sit idly by. She didn't wait for something to happen. No, she took a leap of faith. And I want you to know today that it is your faith in God, your willingness to act, your willingness to relentlessly pursue him 
that changes everything. That's ultimately what matters to God. It's the faith that you have in him. The faith that it takes to make the change, to take that leap of faith, to take that risk, and to go all in on pursuing that life that he has called you to. Faith. Rahab changed everything by an act of faith. Listen to what she did here. What did she just do in those verses? Well, she number one, she described the fear of Israel. They realized in that moment God was with them. God's not with us. God's with the people of Israel. And while all the other people of Jericho were trying to figure out how to defend themselves from this God, how to fight this God, Rahab's the one who said, no, I want to be part of this God's story. This God is different than our God's. I I want to be a part of, of that story. She pursued him. She acknowledged that the land was theirs. I mean, how amazing is that? We realize God has given you our land. We know this, and I believe that. So I'm not going to get in the way. I want to be a part of what you're doing. She knew she was on the wrong side of this. She risked her life to help them. I mean, there is something to be said about taking a risk. We talk about that, stepping out of your comfort zone, right? That's where the growth happens. If you want your life to change, if something's going to be different, you have to step out of your comfort zone. There's no comfort in the growth zone. There's no growth in the comfort zone. You have to go all in. And I think the first thing you have to do is recognize God is God and I am not, right? I need to be a part of what God is doing, not what I want to do. I want to be a part of what God is doing. And then you have to be willing to take a risk. You have to be willing to go all in, relentlessly pursue Jesus and what that means for your life. If he's asking you to obey him, obey him. If he's asking you to get rid of something in your life that's a barrier between you and your relationship with him, that's keeping you from becoming the person he created you to be, that means you lay that down at his feet and you, you relentlessly pursue him. That's what Rahab is doing here. She risked her life to help these guys, to be on God's side of this story. And I think the final piece here is she leveraged the situation so that she could join what God was doing. I mean, she made a deal with these guys. She's saying, hey, I will help you, but listen, I need you to do something for me. When you guys come back and you conquer the city and you take everything, will you just remember me? Will you remember me and my family? Because we want to be a part of what God is doing. And they made a promise to her. They made a promise that if she would hang a red rope from her window, it's just kind of like the sign. They make up a code where like, uh, what's the secret word? It's pirates. Okay. No, it's, they hang a red rope from the, from the window. And we will not hurt you. We will not harm anyone who is in your home on the day that we attack if if that's the sign. We will tell everybody, any window that has the red rope hanging in front, that is the home of Rahab. She is safe. She is one of us. I mean, how cool is that? All of a sudden, her story is beginning to change. That's the promise that was made. And it reminds us that God can use anybody. I love I love seeing this happen in real life. I love celebrating changed lives in real time because, you guys, this isn't just something that happens in the Bible times, right? God is changing lives today. God is using people who thought they were sidelined, who never really thought that God could use them, and he's using them to do extraordinary things. And it's not famous people, it's not people that, you know, you have to hold on a, you know, some type of higher scale, like, oh, only God, God can only use those people. No, God's using everybody. Why? Because God can use anybody. And I want you to know that God can use you. 
I wanted to celebrate a story here today of Stephanie Hogue. Uh, she is one of our all-in stories of how she's taken a step over the last year here and just decided, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to take another step in my faith. I want to be a part of what God's doing. And, and God has showed up in her life. And we wanted to give Stephanie the chance to tell her story. Uh, and we got that on video. So check out Stephanie's story of what it looks like to realize, man, God can use anybody. What does it look like when I relentlessly pursue him? Watch this story. My name is Stephanie Hogue, and I am married to Tim Hogue. I've been married for 10 years. I have three children, Harper, Brayden, and Talon. They're 14, 13, and eight. 14 or 15 years ago, I started attending when Mark Royer was the pastor. He actually was my neighbor growing up. So I grew up in the church. Um, I would say I fought it pretty hard. I gave my mom some grief. I accepted Jesus, I think, in high school. And then I went down a pretty dark path. I got into some alcohol, some drugs. I ended up pregnant with my son. And I never did it again. And basically that saved me. I have no side effects from doing the drugs. And then my mom. Um, I, I mean, I found journals of her begging God to save me. I knew that's what kept me alive. I would say everything changed in November of 2014 when my, my dad died. Um, he tragically passed away at work. In that moment, God really got a hold of me, realizing we're obviously not here forever. My mom really invested time into me and really prepared me for her to be gone because she got cancer and she died within three months, three and a half months of her diagnosis. She taught me how to hear from the Lord and she said he would take care of me, so I just trusted that. I really invested time into spending time with him because she said it's like, if you spend an hour with a boyfriend on a weekend or a husband, how much do you really know them? And that really has always resonated with me. If I only spend an hour with God on the weekends, how will I hear his voice? I, I probably won't. I started working out at the gym and my life kind of changed. I just kind of trans started transforming my like, life with the gym. So I was able to purchase the gym. It's been really hard. I've wanted to quit a lot because it's just so challenging. But every time I got ready to throw in the towel, God would tell me it's no. In the time of COVID, I had no income, but I saw to pay everything. And I was like, what are we gonna do? Well, there's a girl that works for me and she's my best friend and her name's Tina. Tina ended up doing all these classes online and gave me 100% of the proceeds to keep me open. Come January, this all in thing. So I had prayed about it. Me and my husband sat down. I said, do you feel any way about our personal finances? And he said he wasn't feeling anything and we do if we feel something. And Later that day, God said, I want you to start tithing out of your company. And I was like, I never thought of that. I, I don't know why. Like I tithe and I tithe on my income, but not out of just the, the gym itself. In January, we started to tithe out of the company. And then within, I would say a month, I got on this food program that I've incorporated at my gym now. All of a sudden, I was just overflowing with like an unnormal amount of people. And I was like, wait. I never even thought of that's another avenue for the gym because it's always just workout to me. There's been moments of great, but there's been really moments of low in this time of all in. My house is flooded twice. We've gotten two flat tires. My air conditioner broke. But I'm like, oh, 
what's happening? When the devil wants you to stop, he really goes hard. But I just can always remember my mom saying, you just gotta be a fighter. You just gotta fight against it and not quit when it gets hard, even though you want to quit. But sometimes I wonder too if I'm going through these challenges so I can help other people. God's in charge here, so we run it by him before we do anything here. We actually have a verse on our wall in the room over there of what he gave me whenever I opened the gym. Our thing is you are loved. I want people to feel that when they walk in this door, it's not just a regular gym. It's not to me. It's what God's called me to do and help these women get their lives back and men. So I know that I, I'm here for a purpose, that God saved me for a reason. I love celebrating changed lives, and stories like that just make my heart happy. I, I remember I performed their wedding ceremony 10 years ago now, and then honestly, I think about that, and it makes me feel really old. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, but I see how Tim and Stephanie both have grown so much, and how they are just alive right now. And it's all about that commitment to relentlessly pursuing Jesus. I mean, she made a couple of great statements in there, like, if you're only willing to spend an hour a week with the person that you love, you know, the most important relationship, is that going to be a strong relationship? Probably not. Well, how can we expect to have the same kind of results with Jesus if we're only willing to come and spend an hour with him on the weekends? You know, we have to make sure that we are truly relentlessly pursuing him. What does that look like to step out of our comfort zone? When we talked about all in, we've talked about all in and investing, stepping up, leading the way in generosity. We've talked about all inviting, stepping out of your comfort zone, inviting the outsiders that in your life to a changed life. We've talked about all of us being involved in the ministries of the church, in our community, using the gifts and abilities God has given us. Those are all moments where we step out of our comfort zone and we allow ourselves to tangibly, relentlessly pursue God. And when we take that step of faith, when we take that action step, I'm telling you guys, that's when God shows up. And that's when you realize he is faithful, he is here, and suddenly you have that realization, I am being right now a part of God's story. And I don't want you to fall into the trap of holding back, uh, sitting on the sidelines and, and allowing those opportunities to pass you by. Rahab, changed the entire course of, of her storyline because she was willing to take a huge risk. She was willing to take a leap of faith because she realized, I don't want to live this way anymore. I, I can't live this way. I cannot do this on my own. My story on my terms is not taking me where I need to go. I need to be a part of God's story. And I remind you today, God can use anybody. I, I love how this story unfolds. Sure enough, we know the, the battle of Jericho, right? Joshua leads the Israelites to Jericho, and they march around the city for six days. And on the seventh day, they march around it seven times. They blow their trumpets because it's a mighty army, and God knocks down the walls of Jericho. It's another miracle, God showing up on the scene and providing for his people. And it's in the midst of that chaos and in the middle of the Israelites overtaking Jericho that they fulfill their promise to Rahab. As that's all going down and as, as the battle is being won, it says in Joshua chapter 6, it says, Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out, along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. 
Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house. Because she had hidden the spies, Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. That's an amazing end to that story. Like, she did it. God was faithful. They, they kept her promise, and now she was able to be a part of God's story. And that changes everything. God can use anybody. But what's interesting about this is that it doesn't end there. In Matthew chapter 1 in the New Testament, it's a passage of Scripture that really often just kind of gets overlooked. It's the genealogies. It's all of he, in the old King James, they used the word begat. So it's like so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. And you do that, you know, it's like a hundred names of the sons that they had and the daughters. And it's really awesome reading. It's really entertaining. It's riveting, really. It's like, I could read that for days, but I don't. You know, I skim it sometimes. I'm just going to be honest. Even as a pastor, I skim the genealogies sometimes. Oh, okay, you got enough begets there. Let's keep moving. But how cool is this? In Matthew 1, 5 through 6, in the middle of all the names, it says, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. It's in parentheses. Wait a second. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab? Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. Wait a second. You talk about now being part of God's story. Rahab now is in the lineage, in the ancestry of King David. You know who else is in the lineage of King David? Jesus. You talk about being part of God's story. That's a pretty big part of it. God can use anybody. What an amazing story of redemption that is. It doesn't stop there. In Hebrews chapter 11, she gets an honorable mention again. It says, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. I, Rahab is highlighted in the book of Hebrews for her faith. It's her faith that changed everything. And I just want to challenge you today. It doesn't matter what your story looks like to this exact moment in time. God can use anybody. And he's just looking for people who will be willing to step out in faith and relentlessly pursue him. You want to be a part of God's story? Well, first recognize God is God. I'm not. Be willing to take that risk. Step out of your comfort zone because it's not easy. It's never the easy path, right? But you got to take that step of faith. You got to take the risk. And you got to relentlessly pursue him. I promise you today that if you make that decision, I'm chasing after you, Jesus, he will show up. He's the God who changes everything, and you'll find yourself right in the middle of his story. And that's what I want for every one of us to experience together. You know, if you want to be a part of that journey, I think it begins by just saying, hey, am I relentlessly pursuing God? It's that real question, that real assessment in my life. Is this important to me? Does this matter? Am I living life on my own terms? Am I part of my own story? Or am I relentlessly pursuing Jesus? Am I wanting to be a part of what he is doing? Do I want him to lead me? Or am I leading myself? And that whole plan, that, that whole journey, 
You guys, it begins with that first yes. God can use anybody. God loves you, and there's nothing that you can do about it. And so today here at Crossroads, like we do every Sunday, I want to give you a chance. If you've never said yes to Jesus and you want to make that change today, you want to invite him into your life, you would like to be forgiven. You would like to be set free. You would like to set your mind on the hope of Jesus and let him change everything. I want to invite you in this moment to say yes to him. And so I invite you, wherever you are, would you stand with me in this moment? If you're saying this prayer for the very first time, I want you to know that this is a moment that can change everything because God is inviting you to be a part of his story. And I want to make that as easy as possible for you. We're all going to pray this prayer together. But if you're praying this for the first time, I want you to know that God is here. He loves you with an extravagant love. And this is a moment where you can experience his forgiveness, his freedom, and his love in your life. Would you say this prayer with me today? Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins, and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you, amen. And can we just give him the praise today for the change that he brings, for the invitation that he gives every one of us to be a part of his story. If you've said yes to Jesus today for the first time, I want to invite you, come forward after the service is over. Keith's right here. He's waving his hand. He would love to talk with you about this, this decision that you've made. We'd love to give you a Bible to help you take the first steps in your journey with Jesus. If you're outside, come talk to Stu. I'm assuming he's, right, he's waving his hand right now too. Talk to Stu. We want to take this first step with you. We want to help you embrace this journey, this life with Jesus. And I just want to challenge you today as we leave. Make sure that you're making it the goal of your life to relentlessly pursue him. Make sure you're making it the desire of your heart that you are going to be part of God's story today. And so as we bow our heads and close our eyes and as we close today, I just I want to pray a prayer over you. If that's the desire of your heart, you want to be a part of God's story. You're saying right now, you know what? It doesn't matter how I got to this moment. From now on, I, I'm just focusing today. I'm going to relentlessly pursue Jesus. If that's you, would you just be willing to raise your hand today? Is that anybody resonating with that? I'm going to relentlessly pursue Jesus. I want to be a part of his story. Yeah. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you today as we close, that God would just give you the courage and the wisdom and the strength to keep pressing on, that he would just encourage you and help you live into the story that he created you for. God, you are so good, and we thank you today for your extravagant love. I just pray, God, that you would give us the courage, the strength, the wisdom to relentlessly pursue you every single day, to not settle for being part of our own story, but, God, to relentlessly pursue the idea and the fact that we can be a part of your story, that you can use us. God, may each of us live into the purpose and plan that you created us for. May we each change not only the lives of our families, but the lives of our neighbors and our friends and the people that we come into associate with. God, help us to be that light that shines in the darkness. Use us, God, to glorify you, to be part of the story that you created us for. God, for all that you've done, we thank you for all that you are. We praise you because there's no one like you. You're faithful, you are good, and you are enough. We love you today. We pray this in your name. Amen.